Hello everybody, this is Steve Hutto with Harvest Celebration Ministries and the Missions Community. Thank you so much for logging on or stopping by and listening to the podcast. Today's teaching is entitled, On a Mission. We're going to take it from a service done just a bit ago. Again, it's entitled, On a Mission. And thank you so much for listening to the podcast. All the authority of heaven, because that's where it all comes from, and on the earth and in the earth, that's where it really has its impact. Jesus said it's been given to me. Now, we can, we can really deduce from this that God's authority is powerful. God's authority is powerful. Now, how much of God's authority did Jesus say was given to him? All of it. All of it. Location-wise. Where does this influential authority apply? In heaven and, and, and on the earth. Absolutely, that's right. Again, Jesus said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, or because of this, or as a result of this, Jesus said, Go and make disciples of all nations. You see, the command from Jesus to go is the invoking of His authority on the church. Did you catch that? The command for Jesus to go is the invoking of His authority on the church. When Jesus said go, He just simply imparted His authority. How much authority does Jesus have? And where, where does it impact? Heaven and earth. Where do we live? We live on the earth. Who are we? We're the church. Therefore, all authority in heaven and in earth, and I'm going to talk about this a little bit deeper this morning, has been given to the church. That is you and me. So what does this mean? Well, it means that as we go, obeying His command, we go in His name and in His authority. But there's a connection between the authority and the commandment. It's going. There's a, there's a catalyst, if you will, between the authority being manifested and the commandment. And that's going. So, to go in Jesus' name means to go in His authority, which means to simply do what He said to do. Is that complicated? Absolutely not. Jesus said, go. And so if we go in His name, that means I'm not just going around everywhere throwing out the name of Jesus out of my mouth. To go in Jesus' name means to do what He said. Because we go in His authority. You see that? So no matter what it is, the Scripture tells us to do as far as the Great Commission, if we do it, we go in His name. Not ours, in His name. Not in our name, not in the name of our church, but in His name. Isn't that incredible? And if we go in His name because we're doing what He said to do, then we go in not ours, but His authority. Now listen. You know, we've probably all been guilty through the, through the years of just throwing out the name of Jesus incorrectly. And, you know, I'm not trying to minimize the name of Jesus because we've established this, that if we just mention Jesus, the devils and demons shudder. They understand the power and the authority in the name because 
That's the name of the one who is defeated and taken away all the power of the enemy. Sometimes we use the name of Jesus for personal gain, or we think we can, and maybe because of incorrect teaching in the past, as long as you use the name of Jesus, it's, it's like a magical force that's just going to work. But the truth is, the only legal way, the only correct way to use the name of Jesus is when we're doing what Jesus said to do. It's that simple. It doesn't have to be complicated and it, there doesn't have to be uh, so many steps or a certain formula. We don't have to be in a certain attitude. We don't have to feel a certain way. We just simply do what He said do. And then we go in His authority. Let me give you an example, one we've already used. But I'm going to use it in a little bit different way this morning. Mark 16, verses 15 through 18. Remember, this is Mark's account of the Great Commission that was given by Jesus. He's a little more detailed, a little more practical. But we're going to talk about God's authority, Jesus' authority, which He has invoked upon the church. Jesus said, Go into all the world and preach the good news to, the, to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. But whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, Jesus said, or we could say, in my authority, they will drive out demons. And we could actually insert in my name between each phrase, or before each phrase, in my name, because it still applies, they will speak in new tongues. In my name, Jesus said, or when you do what I say, and you're going in my authority, they will pick up snakes with their hands. Paul did that, remember? He wasn't trying to demonstrate, he wasn't tempting God, he was building a fire. And in the book of Acts, it says, toward the end of the book, it says that a, a snake came out of the wood the, that he put on the fire and just attached himself to Paul's hand. And obviously, it must have been a very poisonous snake because he just shook it off and all the natives there on the island expected him to swell up and die immediately. But he didn't do it. You know why? He was going in God's authority. He was on a mission. Wow, he was on a mission. And it says, in my name, when they drink deadly poison... It says it won't hurt them at all. In my name, he says, they will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. That's the proper use of the name of Jesus. That's the proper use. Jesus is saying you will go in my authority. How and why? Because you do what I'm telling you to do. You, you obey the command to go. And, and you know, that's a principle throughout the whole Word. Not just with the Great Commission. But any time we do what God says to do in His Word, and when He instructs us by His Spirit that's confirmed or lines up with the Word, we go in His authority. How many of you know that? Let me give you the greatest example this morning, and of course, that's Jesus. You know, Jesus is our example in so many ways. Luke 19.10 says these words, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Well, if someone comes up to you and says, in 20 words or less, can you define the overall mission of Jesus? There it is right there, Luke 19.10. What was the mission of Jesus? It was to come to the earth and to seek out and to save that which was lost. And you know, that includes people and their lives. When I got saved, Everything about me got saved. And he's still working on it. But things change when you get saved. 
My family got saved. A lot of my, well, my immediate family all got saved. My marriage was saved. A lot of things happened when I got saved, and I believe that's why he's saying the, the, the Son of Man has come to seek out and to save, to redeem that which was lost. When I was lost, everything about me was lost. My marriage was on the way out. In Luke 4, 43, But he, Jesus, said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also, for I was sent for this purpose. Part of the mission of Jesus was to preach the kingdom of God. Jesus went around saying, The kingdom of God is near. And I can show you the way. As a matter of fact, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I can show you the way to become a citizen in a kingdom that has better principles, better conditions. They're not of this world. They trans transcend this world. <clears throat> and Jesus set up for the church to go out as well to preach the kingdom of God. In John 12, 27, just before Jesus went to the cross, he said, Now my soul has become troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? But for this purpose, I came to this hour. You see, the method for Jesus to seek out and save the lost, lost was the cross. When Jesus came to this earth, especially the last three and a half years of his life, his number one focus, he was one track, it was the cross. And the cross includes the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, who broke the power of sin over you and me, rendered powerless all the power of the enemy. Not Luke 19.10, but Luke 10.19 says, Behold, I give you what? Authority is the correct word. Some versions say power, but it's exousia, authority. Just what we talked about. Jesus told his disciples and he tells us, Luke 10.19, Behold, I give you authority to do what? Tread on serpents and scorpions. Those are demons and devils and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means injure you. I believe God spoke to me one day and said, as long as you're treading, Satan can't do a thing to you because you're doing what God said and you're going in His authority. And all authority belongs to Jesus and He's given it to me. And with that authority, He's rendered powerless to the devil and all of His forces. Now, I can go around talking about it, but if I'm never treading on serpents and scorpions, I'm not moving in that authority. And I can talk pretty and talk nice and talk powerful, and Satan can eat my lunch. But if I'm literally treading in prayer, if I'm liter literally treading by confessing the Word of God over my situation and over my family and over you, I'm treading on serpents and scorpions, and I don't care how hard they try, when I'm treading, when I'm walking in God's authority, the truth is, nothing can injure me or you when you do that. Is that the truth? Jesus was on a mission, and through the cross, His mission was to redeem all of mankind. And we know that in the Garden of Gethsemane, the night He was arrested, and the night before He was crucified, we know that He was tested. Jesus was tested. And I've taught and preached on this before that during that, that time Jesus spent while His disciples were sleeping, that Jesus was tested, His will was tested, and the real battle for your soul and my soul was won right there when Jesus was so intent on resisting the enemy and standing for God that His sweat became drops of blood. And of course, Jesus went on to go through the cross and through the 
the incredible act, the incredible sacrifice that He gave for us. But had He not won the battle when all hell came against Him in the garden the night before He was crucified, you and I would have lost our souls. Jesus said in Mark 14, 36, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Well, I mean, if anybody knows that, doesn't Jesus? He went on to say, Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. And, you know, this is the Scripture and it's the truth, but the whole connotation, the whole, the whole effect of how this happened in the garden is not done justice here because it's like Jesus just popped a question and said, oh, no, no matter, I'll do what you want me to do. But all this happened when Jesus was battling for our souls, when Satan was trying to get Jesus not to go through with it, because if he didn't go through with it, all of mankind would be lost for eternity. But he did go through it. And as a result of what Jesus did in the Garden of Gethsemane, he received all authority. How did he do that? By submitting his will to the will of his Father. That's how Jesus received his authority. Because if he hadn't submitted his will, <clears throat> he wouldn't have gone to the cross. And therefore, he wouldn't have been raised three days later, and 40 days later exalted to the right hand of God and given the name above all names. I'll say it again. Jesus received all authority, all exousia, by submitting his will to the Father. Jesus was on a mission, and just before he left, he transferred his authority to his church, and he said, go and do what I did. You have the same authority that Jesus had. You know the scripture from John 14, 12. Jesus said, If you believe in me, he who believes in me, the works that I do shall he or she do just as well. But you know what Jesus went on to say, right? And greater works than these shall the believer do because I go to the Father. Now, he's what, I mean, you can't get any greater than raising the dead. I mean, that's probably the greatest physical, biological miracle under being saved that, that we could ever be involved in. But Jesus was not talking about quality. He had set the pace for the quality and laid the path for us. But he's talking about quantity when he's talking about greater because he's talking about a whole church full of people. Not just a, a local expression of the church, but I'm talking about the body of Christ on the earth. That church. Man, that's good news. Thank God. And so now on this side of the cross, we're to be involved in greater works, more works, numerous works, all around the face of planet Earth because of what Jesus did. He transferred His authority to us. He invoked all of that authority, all of that exousia on us when He said, Go. Now let me tell you this morning that executing the mission... Remember, we're on a mission. And executing the mission brings forth the power of God. Now let that sink in just for a moment. Executing the mission brings forth the power of God. I'm going to look at two examples from the Scripture this morning. The first one is Peter and John. And I want to ask you to take your Bibles, turn with me to Acts chapter 3, starting with verse 1. Peter and John... My first example, Acts 
Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the ninth hour, the hour of prayer. That's obvious. They were on a mission to pray. It was the hour of prayer. It was time to pray. And so they were going to pray. And a man who had been lame from his mother's womb was being carried along, whom they used to set down every day at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, in order to beg alms of those who were entering the temple. I think it's interesting that Luke writes here, of course, after the fact, that they used to set him there. <laughs> and uh, he was set there to beg to ask for gifts of charity. Verse 3, when he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, he began asking to receive alms. Hey guys, you have a little something-something for me today? I really need a Big Mac. It's been a couple of weeks since I've had a Big Mac and some fries and a Coke. But verse 4, But Peter, along with John, fixed his gaze on him and said, Look at us! And he began to give them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I do not possess silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, there it is again, in the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, walk. Now sometimes we would stop right there, wouldn't we? Look at verse 7. And seizing him by the right hand. In other words, Peter had to reach down and grab the man's right hand. He raised him up and immediately his feet and his ankles were strengthened. And verse 8. With a leap, he stood up, stood upright and began to walk. And he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. Peter and John were on a mission. When you leave today, and when you go to work every day, or go to school every day, ask God, what do you have for me today? Jesus... I'm on a mission. What is my mission for today? I do care to accept it. I will accept the mission. Because it's not mission impossible. It's mission possible. And watch God do things in your life. Make yourself available to Jesus. We are the church of Jesus Christ. And in His name, we cast out devils and demons. His name gives us authority to tread upon all the power of the enemy. His name gives us the authority and the power to heal the sick. The other example that I want to use this morning is that of Philip. You don't hear a whole lot about Philip. But there's an interesting situation that happens with Philip in Acts chapter 8. But in Acts chapter 6, Philip is one of the seven that are chosen to wait on tables and feed some elderly people. They were chosen to be servants, deacons if you will. That's what a true deacon is, is a servant, not a ruler. He's a, he's a servant. You can study the word in the scripture. But Philip was one of the seven that was chosen to wait on tables. And of course during this time there was a great persecution. A lot of it was sparked by Saul who later became the Apostle Paul. And this great persecution came on the church at Jerusalem and it began to be dispersed and scattered out because Jesus had even said, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria. That's where Philip ended up. And even to the remotest parts of the world. So this persecution comes. Philip is one of those and he's scattered. 
And while on a mission, he receives instructions from an angel to get up and go to the road that descends from Jerusalem to Gaza. Specific instructions from an angel. He's on a mission. While he's on this mission, he, he meets an Ethiopian eunuch who is reading and trying to understand Isaiah, the prophet. And so the Spirit says, go up and help this guy. <laughs> so Philip says, hey, what are you reading? He says, I'm reading from the Old Testament. That's all they had back then. He said, I'm reading from the prophet Isaiah. And Philip says, well, how's it going? Do you, do you understand what's going on? And he said, how can I understand unless somebody explains this to me. So Philip jumps up in the chariot with him and as they go along he's teaching them and explaining him about Jesus Christ. And so Philip leads him to the Lord, he leads him to Christ, he baptizes him by the side of the road when they found some water and Philip is suddenly snatched away by the Holy Spirit. I mean he's just like James T. Kirk, he's beamed away. Just gone. Boom. Supernatural. I mean, the greatest miracle is that this man became saved. But then, boom, Philip was on a mission. His will yielded to God's, and whew, he was gone. And let's look at what the Scripture says in Acts 8.40. It says, but Philip found himself. <laughs> Have you ever found yourself? <laughs> There, there was a, a few times before I got saved when I found myself in certain conditions in certain places, I didn't realize I'd gotten there. As a matter of fact, I remember riding down the road the night I graduated from high school because of something I'd been smoking and something I'd been drinking. I didn't even remember where I was. And I was in my old stomping ground, places I'd grown up around. And I'm like, guys, help me. I'm driving. I don't know where I am. <laughs> All of a sudden, you know, when I began to sober up, I found myself. But this is a whole different situation. <laughs> We're talking about not, the, not marijuana and spirits, alcoholic spirits. We're talking about the Spirit of God. Philip found himself, boom, when he came to... Huh? He found himself at Azotus. Now watch this. And as he passed by, or passed through, what did he do? He kept preaching the gospel to all the cities until he came to Caesarea. He was on a mission. Philip was on a mission, and as he obeyed God, the power flowed. That's incredible to me. As he obeyed God, as he did what God said, as he executed the mission, in his authority, then the power came. The power was manifested. Try this experiment. God used me to heal somebody this week. Use me to heal somebody this week. And then don't start waiting on the results for somebody to be healed. Start looking for God to put somebody in your path. Because He's going to heal. We just need to be obedient. You can pray, God, you said as a part of your church, with His and your authority invoked upon me, I'll lay hands on the sick and they will get well. So Father, I ask you to use me this week. I'll be, on, I'll be vigilant, I'll be on the alert, I'll be looking, and I'm just going to be obedient. I'm just going to lay hands on somebody and pray for them that in the name of Jesus they would receive healing, that they would be healed. But most people won't do that. Why? Because they're afraid they won't see any results. So they, they figure there's less embarrassment, and they won't think that I'm not spiritual if I just don't pray for anybody. 
But let me tell you this. This is free this morning. You're not supposed to heal anybody. The healing's already been provided by the cross and the blood of Jesus, and the authority is, is, is in His name. You're not supposed to heal anybody. You're supposed to lay hands on the sick. And the Bible says they will recover, but the recovery part is God's. And if He wants to do it instantaneous, which would be incredibly wonderful, and I've seen that so many times, but sometimes He chooses to do it one day at a time. And I can't tell you how many times I've prayed for people and didn't see them for a long time, and then when I saw them again, they were well. But I didn't instantaneously, immediately, for whatever reason, see the instant healing. And sometimes we have. But the power comes when we just do what He says. So just start looking for opportunities. Stop looking for the results. We can expect the results, but don't let fear of not seeing results like you think they ought to be keep you from being on a mission. You've got to be on a mission first. I hope that makes sense. Now, these examples with Philip and Peter and John... These incidences, they're, they're just simple and just a very few examples of ordinary humans obeying the command to go with extraordinary results. You see, they were on a mission. And you and I are on a very exciting mission for Jesus. Let me reiterate one more time why we're on a mission for Jesus. Because Jesus is the one who said to go. Jesus is the one that said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. So we are on a mission, a very exciting mission for Jesus. I want to hear, you know, <laughs> I want to hear testimonies, praise reports. And, and I know that we can say, well, I just thank God that He woke me up this morning. Well, I can thank God that, you know, it wasn't my time to, to go by dying in, in the middle of the night, too. But I want to hear testimonies about how God moved through you and touched other people. God woke you and me up this morning because He wants us on the mission. <laughs> We're significant for the mission. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Thank you for stopping by, and I hope you were blessed by On a Mission. You have a blessed day and God bless you.